Good morning, Grace Covenant. Good morning. So don't be alarmed that uh, Chris and Tiffany aren't here today. This was planned. They are uh, traveling for a few days, and God willing, they'll be here next Sunday. But today, you are stuck with me. So. <laughs> but be before I subject you to my singing voice, I'd like to read a few verses from John chapter 15. Uh, this is uh, Jesus and his disciples are in the uh, upper room. This is at the Last Supper. So Jesus is teaching his disciples here. Just remember, when the unbelieving world hates you, they first hated me. If you were to give your allegiance to the world, they would love and welcome you as one of their own. But because you won't align yourself with the values of this world, they will hate you. I have chosen you. I have chosen you and taken you out of the world to be mine. So remember what I taught you, that a servant isn't superior to his master. And since they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. And if they obey my, te my teachings, they will also obey yours. They will treat you this way because you are mine and they don't know the one who sent me. So Jesus goes on and teaches them some other things. Then he kind of wraps it up at the end of ver uh, chapter 16. And everything I've taught you is so that the peace which is in me will be in you and will give you great confidence as you rest in me. For in this unbelieving world, you will experience trouble and sorrows, but you must be courageous, for I have conquered the world a prayer and uh, sing a song. Lord, we uh, are thankful. Oh, Jesus, our hope is in you. That's, that's all we can really hold on to. Not this world, not the systems of this world, but of you and your love for us. And God, we, we desire that peace that you promise us, that confidence as we rest in you. And that uh, that courage. God, we ask for all of those things. And uh, we just pray that you will teach us how to rest in you even more. I uh, pray for uh, your Holy Spirit to be on us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. <coughs>
Amen. Hey, you may be seated for just a moment. Uh, my name's Steve, the interim pastor. So good to see you all, and, and welcome to those of you on live stream. Hope you're doing okay in your jammies at home, and that uh, you can truly worship the Lord in his presence together. Hey, so good to have you all with us. Um, there's a connection card that you'll find uh, in the chair pocket in front of you, and that's a good way to communicate various things. If you want some information, if you're visiting, would like some information about this church, uh, let us know. We'll get you something. And if you have, if you want to just say, Steve, you're a great guy, or, or please bring a new pastor, I, you know, whatever. <laughs> but, uh, and more seriously, prayer requests, uh, please use that. That's a good tool. Hey, we have Jerry Says. Where would this church be without Jerry Says? Now, this is a long one. Jerry says that I'll have to forego the sermon today. But uh, it's not too long. Jerry says, when my son Steve was four years old, he loved to ask questions. One day he asked, Dad, how many miles is, is it to the sun? I answered, well, I don't know. Next he asked, how do car engines run? I answered, I don't know that either. Then he asked, how is electricity made? I said, sorry, I don't know the answer. Steve said, I'm sorry I asked so many questions, Dad. I answered, keep asking questions, Steve. That is how you learn. So just a good... <laughs> A good word. Now, I think, Jerry, you need to learn a few things. I think that's, that's part of what's going on there. Hey, right after worship, we have a free lunch and a Discovering Grace Covenant Church class. It's simply to help people have a more, all the more meaningful involvement in this uh, wonderful church family. It also, while this is not a requirement uh, uh, for those of who take the class, it is a step toward church membership and I know that we have a little extra food, so if at the last minute you want to be part of that, uh, just join us. It'll be in here starting uh, shortly after uh, the worship service is over. And then, hey, did you know that Thursday is Thanksgiving, right? It's my favorite holiday, I think. Well, there's going to be a potluck Thanksgiving dinner here um, at noon, and you can let uh, Diana, where's Diana? I know she's here. She's, she's in the kitchen. Okay. There she is. But let, let her know. Yeah, and thanks to Diana, as, as usual, providing the spread this morning. But also let her know if you'd like to be part of that celebration. Uh, Kara, you're out of mic already. You have an, an important announcement. I do. Uh, first of all, don't feel shy about Thanksgiving. Just, just come, okay? There, we'll have a lot of food. Um, the second thing is, we have a very special guest here today, all the way from, well, two of them, actually, all the way from Georgia. So if you get a chance, make sure you give Marion and Chandler a big hug, because they're over there. Yep. All right, and so the time of the year that we're running into right now is af right after Thanksgiving is Christmas, and we do an annual Christmas shop here. Um, it's going to be on Saturday the 11th, and we're going to start at 10 and only go two hours, 10 to 12. We, you can help in a, several ways. First of all, we need stuff, and we need lots of stuff, okay? We need anything in your house that you are not going to use, okay? You got a candle last Christmas, you're never going to burn it, bring it. You got toys that your kids have outgrown, we need lots of toys. And um, household items, jewelry, purses, whatever, the only thing we're not accepting is clothing, books, and shoes. Those seem to never, ever go, and we end up carting them to the ark every year. So just take them to the ark yourself. 
Uh, the other way you can help <laughs> is we, we need help on that day. So um, we, we'd like to kind of do shifts so nobody has to be here the whole time. So what we're looking at is maybe like an 8 to 10 shift to help set up and then maybe a 10 to, or a 10 to 12 to, to shop with the people. And let me tell you, if you are here, if you're here and you've done that shop, will you stand up if you've done it with us? Right? Tell me how amazing it is when people come in and they don't have what they need and they have a new toy for their child or, a, a well, you know, a, a nice new used toy and they go home and they have what they need for Christmas and how blessed they are. Right? It's amazing. So we really need lots of help. And, and a lot of it is you're going to meet people and you're going to pray with them and you're going to give them what they need. And then at the end, we need help to clean up. And I'll, we'll need a couple of SUVs or trucks to take whatever we don't give away to the, to the ark. Um, so when you're bringing things, you have two Sundays that you can drop it off and we'll get it upstairs. If you want to come in the middle of the week sometime, you need to let Doris know so she can open the door for you, and then it'll need to be taken upstairs. I think the very last week before, we can just leave it in the foyer, but uh, if you could bring it before that, it'll have to go upstairs. So that being said, if you have questions, come talk to me, and I'll give you all the scoop. Oh, and there's cards. You can pass out cards to people. Thank you, Kara. They want to mention that uh, Chris and Tiffany Campbell are in Texas at a wedding, so we're real glad that for the second week in a row, Matt Reed is leading us into God's presence. And let me just remind you that the most important person in this room is the living Jesus Christ. Amen. He's here, he's more real than the person sitting next to you, whether you feel that or not. And he takes us to the Father, he gives us his spirit. He deserves all that we are. So let's, let's offer him our thanks and our praise. Let's stand together and worship him.
Righteousness is like the mighty mountain, your justice like the great deep. O Lord, you preserve both man and beast. How priceless is your unfailing love. Both high and low among men find refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house. You give them drink from your river of delight. For with you is the fountain of life. In your life, in your light, we see light.
shall come with a shout of acclamation and take me home what joy shall fill my heart then I shall bow in Maybe seated, but let's let's take a moment and just sort of camp on that statement that that God is great. And uh, just in a phrase, could you speak out loudly to the Lord, uh, God, you are. How would you finish that sentence? Can you just? great God, we could go on and on and never come close to exhausting. Uh, Lord, how great you are, how good you are. You've made it known in your son Jesus. And so today we, we thank you that you meet us where we are, but then would you lead us into more and more of your greatness. And uh, we'll continue to pray in the very presence, the name of Jesus. Hey, before the kids um, are dismissed, we have a, a wonderful way to, to be giving thanks and praise to God. Uh, this morning, Ethan and Rebecca Zimbra have asked us to join them in giving thanks for their little guy, Everett. And it's a way of dedicating him to the Lord. Uh, Everett is a gift to them these last 19 months, 18, 20, well, for a little while now. And uh, also, this is really important. They're asking us, as their spiritual family, to give them their prayerful support. So, Ethan, Rebecca, would you come up with Everett this time? I think Everett, all morning, is, he's old enough to wonder, what is going on today? <laughs> Hi, buddy. You know, it's so clear in the New Testament that Jesus treasures and welcomes children. He said, and he still says, 
Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. Ethan, Rebecca, you're standing before us because you love Everett. Probably more than you could ever describe. Probably more than you ever realized you would love another person before he was born. And you're giving God thanks in this public setting. But you're also standing before us because you know that that Everett needs more than just your love. He needs the love of God who made him. The love of God who gave himself in Jesus for him. And you also stand before us because you know that um, a basic way that God's love comes is to other people, through your family, and we're so glad some of them are with us today, but then also through your spiritual family. In all kinds of practical ways, the very love of God forever will, will be coming through them, and, and so you're asking us to support you in that. So let me, let me ask you this, uh, Ethan and Rebecca. Affirming your faith in God's promises and desiring Everett to one day put faith in Jesus Christ who died and was raised for him, will you promise to teach the word of God to him, to love him, to pray for him, to help him in every way as God gives you the opportunity so that he might become a true disciple of Jesus Christ and a child of God? If so, will you say, we will? We will. And then would the rest of you join me in offering a statement that we'll put up on the screen, a statement uh, to the Zimbras. Please, please join us. You have offered your child to the strong and tender providence of God and to the nurture of the church. We rejoice with you and give thanks for the gift of your child. We promise with humility and seriousness to share in your child's nurture and well-being. We will support by our example and words your efforts to provide a loving and caring home where trust in God grows and Christ's way is chosen. Our prayers will be with you and for you. May our shared life and witness help make your task both joyful and fruitful. You know, normally I would take a small child representing Jesus uh, representing all of you, hold the child. I'm kind of thinking Everett might not be too interested in that <laughs> today. Um, I mean, we, we kind of know each other a little bit, but we'll just let him stay with Daddy as, as we pray today, all right? But, uh, but imagine, if you will, that, that uh, well, let's put it this way. A wonderful father here is holding his little boy alongside a wonderful mother. Uh, but do you know that... Uh, we're in the body of Christ. We, we hold him today. All right? And uh, we represent an amazing Lord Jesus Christ who, uh, even more than this mom and dad, holds Everett in his love. Isn't that a, a great, great truth? Let's pray together. Lord, thank you today for the Zimbras. Thank you, Lord, for this amazing gift that they gave, that you gave to them. Uh, last year. Uh, Lord, uh, the gift of a new little life. And today we rejoice with Ethan and Rebecca in uh, holding up Everett to you. We, we ask, Lord, that uh, this 
little guy would grow strong in every way and be healthy and, and, and find his way through life, especially the way that you are for him. Uh, we pray that, um, Lord, uh, you would give great wisdom, um, all the more love to Ethan and Rebecca as they uh, nurture him, as they um, have those days that are just packed with joy, but also the hard days. Uh, it's not easy to be a parent, so give them your grace for that. We pray that to that end, their marriage would only grow stronger in their oneness that you've given them. And I pray that all of us, to, the, to whatever degree we even think about this family, that we'll lift them up in prayer, that, Lord, those, those serving the children uh, in the next building, uh, those who will become friends of the Zimbras, that, that you would use us to be models of, of what it means to be followers of Jesus Christ. And we, we look forward to the day uh, when, when Everett will realize this love that has been given to him and decisively place his trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior. All these things we pray with, uh, with thanksgiving and expectation in the name of Jesus. Amen. And now, Everett, hey, buddy, in the name of the, the Father who made you and the Son who died and was raised for you, in the name of the Holy Spirit, who's going to show you Jesus, may you be blessed. Amen. Hey, and now may all of our children be blessed as they go to their session in Children's Church. You guys have a great time. And then with the rest of you, uh, find a Bible, please. And uh, we're going back to 1 Samuel 16 in a study we're doing on this rather famous man named David. The, um, the shepherd, the singer, the warrior, the king. And we're, we've kind of framed this series since, so uh, what was late September, in terms of a psalm that he wrote, that he prayed, my times are in your hands. My times are in your hands. And what we're going to do today is kind of backtrack, go to the beginning of the story, but we're also going to then jump to the end of his story and concentrate on that role of being a singer, or more precisely, a poet-musician. And it's, it's that kind of gift uh, for himself, the gift of music for himself, but also for other people and, and for us, uh, through the Psalms especially. He wrote almost half of them, the biggest single part of the Bible. And uh, so we're going to concentrate on that. Now, now, how many of you like music? Okay, there's, there's a few that just, I don't, you know, I could do without it, but yeah, when, when it comes to music, uh, you know, I, th I think a lot of us, we just love it. I mean, it's just one of the best things in life. Um, it's like we wish, my wife, I think, wishes she was born into a musical, um, you know, where everything was done in song, right? And, and for you, for you musical types, the hills are alive. Yeah, there we go. Now, now, some of you, God just didn't wire you with musical strings. He wired you with computer code. 
And so for you, the hills aren't alive with music. They're just geological formations because there was a shift in the earthly plates. So, and yet I think we'd all agree that human communication is a great gift from God, whether you sing it or not, especially when it's not just data, especially when it's not just information, but when it's actually saying something to and from who we are, it goes that deep. There's something powerful about words, and then when it's put in the context of something beautiful, like good music, there's something really powerful. And one thing we see in David, in his whole life, it it just kind of bookends and fills his whole life, is the way that songs can connect us with our deepest needs and with God's greatest gifts. So that's what we're going to think about today. Um, We're going to go back to 1 Samuel 16, where, and we looked at this several weeks ago, where we first get introduced to at that time, very young David. He's the youngest of eight boys. He's out in the pastures uh, uh, taking care of the sheep on his dad's ranch. And to the surprise of everybody, the prophet Samuel shows up to anoint a new king for Israel. And one by one, the first seven, nah, it's not him, it's not him, it's not him, it's not him. Is there another one? And the, and the father says, well, there's the kid brother. It couldn't be him, but it is. And so you read in verse 16, and that's an actual photograph of what happened, but anyway, so Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers, and from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Now, look at a huge contrast with the very next verse. Now, the Spirit of the Lord had departed from King Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. That's a pretty sobering line, isn't it? Uh, Now, just a quick but, I think, important kind of footnote. When humans use their God-given freedom to basically push God away, it leaves a hole in their lives, and other powers are essentially given an invitation to come in and exert their influence. Now, it's not, we, we, I'm not going to get off on this, we could talk about it later. It's not so much that God says, I think I'll fill that person with a demon. But God, having given human beings freedom, does allow it to happen. Whether you like that or not, he allows it to happen if human beings give that indirect kind of welcome or even a direct welcome. The thing is, vacuums tend to get filled. Vacuums tend to get filled, and that includes human souls. And so, for example, Luke chapter 12, Jesus says, you you push out unholy spirits, they'll come right back all the more if, if you haven't just gotten rid of the the unholy spirits, but been filled with the Holy Spirit. And Ephesians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul says that, that anger, anger is one example, anger that's not faced, honestly, put before God, if it's not surrendered, it's a foothold for the devil. And, and so basically you see this going on with King Saul. It's a very sad story. His fear metastasizes into craving of power. I think that's the gist of what happens in this story. And it leads to insane, literally insane, jealousy and rage, delusions and bad choices. And yet he's still Israel's king. God put him there on the throne. Well, along comes 
young David. So look at verse 15. Saul's attendants said to him, See, an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone who can play the lyre. It's kind of like a harp. Maybe it's a 12-string guitar, I don't know. But uh, he will play when the evil spirit from God comes on you, and you will feel better. So Saul said to his attendants, Find someone who plays well and bring him to me. One of the servants answered, I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre. He's a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well and is a fine-looking man, and the Lord is with him. Then Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me your son David, who is with the sheep. Whenever the Spirit from God came on Saul, David would take up his lyre and play. Then relief would come to Saul. He would feel better, and the evil spirit would leave him. The evil spirit would leave him. Now, without assuming that our minds and lives are kind of a mess like Saul's, do you know how music can go to some very deep places and and, and, and bring some soothing and some peace? Uh, And it's not just when we're in torment, but actually a really good song, especially if it's in God, but any, any good song... It, it can uh, really have a power when things are going really well because it surfaces. Things are good, but it gets, it's all the better. When, when you have words for it, when you have a melody for it, we can all more celebrate uh, what it is that you might be feeling or, or thinking. It, it has a way of uh, bringing the good to the surface, has a way of, of expanding and, and, and making connections. Um, and in a lot of ways, you could say music is kind of the heart of reality in this sense that um, <clears throat> there's passages, we're going to show, show you one later, where God sings. Uh, and, and it says in Job that uh, when the universe was made, this, the morning stars sang, and, and the angels shouted for joy. There's a great party going on at creation with, with the initial beings that were made, even, even non-personal beings. And, and then... Uh, uh, I don't want to be dogmatic about this, but the the great Spaniard uh, church leader, Ignatius of Loyola, said that in his pondering the mystery, uh, the profound mystery, inexplicable mystery of God as three in one. And he said, maybe the best analogy, that's all it is, but the best analogy might be three distinct notes that form a single chord. So, for example, if I... You're going to see what God really didn't give me with a great voice. But if I sing, ah, can you, can you do that? Ah, ah. No, some of you do that. Ah. Okay, some stick with the low note. Ah. Oh, come on, you guys. Where? Need Matt up here. Okay. About this section, this section over here, go with ah, ah, ah. Yeah, you, I really love you, but you're not a choir. <laughs> so anyway, I was, I was going to lead us in a song, but I'm thinking maybe I'll wait till Matt gets up here. It'll go far better, okay? But you've heard a beautiful chord, just a few notes or, or many, and there's something... It's a single sound, but it's made up of all these different parts. It's, it's just a, good, a wonderful part of uh, what God has done. Now, now, music goes deep to the soul. 
When I was six, seven years old, I, this is gonna show my age, we, I had 45 RPM records. You know what those are, the little ones? Okay, a lot of you say, oh, good grief, I think I read that in a history book, but uh, <laughs> um, I wore out my song of Davy Crockett, Davy, Davy Crockett, king of the wild frontier. And my, it drove my parents insane. I played it over and over and over, because why? This was getting to, when I was six, my very identity. I was Davy Crockett. My life purpose. It was pretty powerful. Um, the raccoon hat? I had the raccoon hat, yeah, I did, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. When I was a little older, middle school, they called it junior high back then, seventh grade, I bought another 45 RPM from this strange group in, the, in England called the Beatles. The Beatles. Uh, I want to hold your hand. Played that over and over and over until it drove my parents nuts. Well, it was fast forward to when my oldest, Sarah, was in middle school, about the same age, through some teacher, she got to liking the Beatles. I thought, well, that's kind of cool. Gives us some fun ways to share some interests. And uh, so one day, <clears throat> she was pretty sick at home. Uh, Darlene was doing other things. So I worked at home in the basement. And uh, that was back when the music was on, remember, cassette tapes? <laughs> and so from upstairs, I heard, help. Yes, I need somebody help, not just anybody. And then, and then, oh, she, she's going to start over. Help, yes, I need somebody help. Well, that's cool. She really likes a wonderful song. Well, about the fourth time, I thought, duh, maybe she needs help. <laughs> you know, so ran upstairs, and sure enough. But um, now I still, I, still, I still enjoy rock music. Had a little folk rock band in college. Um, like all kinds of music, like I was part of the Jesus movement, the, the wonderful praise music took hold, but also really got captured by, uh, I love Mozart, I love Bach, also Handel and Vivaldi. Um, let me tell you one more story. We'll get back to the word, I promise. My earliest memory of how music draws out something really, really deep 11 years old, and very suddenly, my precious, wonderful grandma died. <clears throat> now, that night, I can still, I can feel it. Can't, I, I don't remember all that went, went on, but that night, um, grandpa was there, and then my mom's much, much younger sister, Joyce, my Aunt Joyce, who was just 19, she was there. And, and you, you know, you've been through grief, you know, the mood is, is just, it's just gray. Nobody's saying anything except maybe a little bit of small talk. And it, it's like there's a fog in the room. But my, my Aunt Joyce, 19 years old, up at, she was a student at CU. She used to be an Elvis fanatic and then a Ricky Nelson fanatic in the 50s, but, but she shifted over to folk music. So she, she put on a record player, a song by Joan Baez. Hush, little baby, don't you cry. You know your mama is bound to die. All my trials soon be over. Now, at the age of 11, I, 
I couldn't understand it. But the beauty of that folk song was both was haunting and terrible. And, and what I remember at the age of 11, it, it, it somehow surfaced for the first time in my life that something is wrong with the world. Something is wrong with this world. And it kind of really came to the surface as I heard that little tune. Here's what the best songs, especially direct songs from God, can do. Number one, God uses his gift of song to surface the depths of our hearts. And number two, to stretch our shallow and narrow living. To surface the depths of our hearts. I find that, that, that good words, true words, songs in particular give responses to what is there in our hearts. But we can't find on our own. But that song, oh, that says it. But at the same time, songs can stretch us, the shallowness and narrowness of our lives, up into seeing God's beauty, his greatness, his goodness, and stretch us outward into making connections with other people, those he loves. And so songs can give us responses and, and words that are not in us, but God wants to plant there to conform us all the more into his best. Now let's go back to David with Saul. Let me just make this generalization. For Saul, songs were an escape from reality. The turmoil going on in his heart, the threats coming from without, they were an escape from reality. For David, songs throughout his life, for the most part, were engagement with reality. Engagement with reality. And they stretched him. They surfaced the realities in his own heart. Um, they not only made him feel better, the way you saw it with Saul, they actually helped him become better, a better man. And so he's called a man after God's own heart, not just because of music, but, but, but that becomes a gift in that whole process. And uh, toward the end of his life, 2 Samuel says that he's called a singer of Israel's songs as one through whom the Lord spoke. Now, this, this comparison here leads to a question, not just with music, but with all of our living. All of our living. This is where we're going beyond music. And that's this. Um, are our lives a matter of having less escape and more engagement with reality? The reality within and the reality beyond us? I think it's an important question because there are all kinds of ways we escape. A pretty good example is Ephesians 5. Paul says, don't, don't get drunk with wine. Uh, it's, it, it leads, that, that's, that's false joy. That's false peace. Temporary at best. Uh, instead, be filled or literally keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Just keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit uh, for the real thing, the real joy, the real peace. Uh, so that you can, and Paul goes on, speaking and singing, um, but then submitting and, and, and loving uh, one another. And, and by the way, escape is not just through like chemicals, some kind of intoxication, but my goodness, there's a zillion ways we can escape. I think the big one is distraction. 
and it, we, we, we just kind of lose sight of what matters the most. And so the question is, are we asking God by his spirit to enable us to be more honest about what's in our heart, but then more aware of people around us, and especially to be all the more engaged with this, this amazing life-giving God and his love. And in that whole process, songs can help. One gift that God gives. You know, we saw David as a kid, but now look at the end of his life. 2 Samuel 22, David sang to the Lord the words of this song when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. He said, the Lord is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. I called to the Lord who is worthy of praise and have been saved from my enemies. And, and it goes on and on. So it's a fairly long song that, that he wrote and was singing. Now, you know where that shows up another time in the Bible? Precisely, word for word? It's Psalm 18. Got it, Frank, yeah. Psalm 18, it's exactly the same thing. And uh, when you look at that, you see well, there's a little bit of background information. Psalm 18 in your Bibles. Uh, it's for the director of music. It's, 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 it's for Matt Reed. Um, but why is it for guys like Matt or guys like Chris who, who leads worship here? Because they're leading everybody into this kind of a song. So it's for anybody and everybody, okay? But at the same time, there's a very specific context for David as there can be for each of us. And so you see the, the note there at the top. It's from David, it's from his heart, of David, the servant of the Lord. He sang to the Lord the words of this song when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And it goes on, he said, and then comes the psalm, the song. And so it's out of the immediacy of David's life. And, and so you have examples of this. Uh, it's not in every psalm, but, uh, but for example, Psalm 51 that we looked at last week, this confession, this song was written when he had committed adultery and had to be forgiven by God. Uh, Psalm 56, when he was captured by an enemy. Verse chapter, uh, Psalm 57, when he's hiding from Saul. Um, uh, Psalm 63, when he was alone in the desert. Just all these examples. That there are songs for particular occasions. And the reason I'm saying all this <clears throat> is that one thing that powerful music can do, especially God's music, God's songs, is it makes a connection. It surfaces the earthy, honest, daily living, whatever's going on in our hearts and lives, we just put it out there before God, sometimes to a song, but it then makes a connection to an even larger reality, which is the living God. It surfaces what's in our hearts and lives. It then stretches us to put it all into the reality of God himself and all that he's wanting to give, all that he's wanting uh, to do. Songs make connections between our hearts, God, and the world around us. Would you agree that um, for the most part, whatever's going on in our minds and hearts, it's, it's, it's good to, to express that directly to God? I mean, he knows it, but it's just good to, to say it, right? And, and even in many cases to express it to others. I mean, it's pretty basic stuff, you know? A joy shared is a double joy. A burden shared is half a burden, as the proverb goes. 
Um, you know how a joke, joke is a lot funnier if you share it with somebody and they laugh too? Who, who, wants, who wants to look at a solo joke? You know, that's why we need Jerry Says on Sundays, you know? Um, uh, Tom, Tom and I were talking about this the other night. Um, a heavy loss or a heavy thing you're facing, he, he struggled with cancer a few years ago. It just helps a lot if there are people around you who understand what you're going through, right? You're not carrying that alone. Um, failures. They, they lose their grip on us if we walk in the light and we confess it to God, but also we're appropriate to other people. And, and, and that's, that's when those failures no longer have such a control over our lives. Um, anger. It's like you have three options. You can, you can repress it, it just hurts yourself. You can merely express it and it hurts other people, or you can confess it to God and others, and that's when healing can begin. Um, uh, Richard Rohr says, any pain not given to God to be transformed, it's going to be transmitted to other people. So give it to God. Express it to him. So, for this great, great need in our lives of God himself, he gives us great gifts. He gives himself, he gives his presence, he gives his word, he gives us, us his people, he, but he also gives us words. He gives us words. Not just from him to us, but words for us back to him and to others. Um, I think I mentioned this before, that my own prayers I discovered uh, probably several decades ago were just kind of narrow and shallow. I, I, they were real. They're from my heart. But uh, it was about 30-some years ago that, that, that God just kind of taught me through various people to, to not only read Scripture, but to pray Scripture. Not, not just that. But, 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 but to let the, 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 the scriptures, and, and especially the Psalms, which are prayers, let, let them deepen my prayers, heighten my prayers, broaden my prayers. And, uh, and I can still pray spontaneously, but it just shaped, it shaped my conversing with the Lord and listening to his voice. I could find things inside myself that I wouldn't find on my own. I, I could seek things higher and wider than I would on my own. I also found that as I prayed scripture and prayed the Psalms in particular, which I basically try to do every morning, not just read them, but pray them, I found that it made connections with other people. You know, sometimes it's just a real obvious thing. Hey, let me share, you, share with you something I really, really heard and prayed today. Other times it's not obvious at all. I'll read a Psalm and say, that doesn't fit me. But then the Holy Spirit would say, well, whose Psalm is that today? I may be having a great day. And here's a psalm that David's in the pits, you know. He's, he's yelling at God, and he's scared, and there's somebody I know. And that leads me to enter into that and, and, and kind of join them in their prayer, honestly, to the Lord. By the way, by the way, I think the same thing could be applied to the songs we do on Sunday mornings because, you know, we're, we're diverse. We have different tastes. Some of you want hymns, some of you want the, uh, the, the, the rockin' contemporary stuff, and, and some of you hate whatever it is you don't like. Now I'm exaggerating, but uh, I think it's just really healthy for the unity of the body 
you may say, you know, it's not touching my heart, but whose song is that today? And just appreciate that. Thank you, Lord, that you're letting somebody have a voice with this song that I just don't get. But that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. might say that one of the most practical and fruitful engagements with the reality of God, remember it's getting engaged, not escaping, is intentional and expressed gratitude. You know, Thursday's Thanksgiving, right? And you know, I don't know what your get-togethers are going to be like. It might be like this famous scene, or it might be more like this scene, I don't know. But um, whatever the case... Besides gorging yourself with um, turkey and all the other stuff, why, why not just very intentionally, whether you're with one person or, I think we're going to have 20 at our house, it'll be a mob. What, what if you took intentional time to say, let's tell God what we're thankful for? And not that everybody gives a speech, but just be Intentional. Because cultivated gratitude is, is experienced joy. Because you're, 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 it might be in spite of a lot of really hard things, but you're looking, you're looking for the spots of grace that I bet we can all find. And it honors God, it blesses and encourages the others around us, but it gives us a lift into peace and joy as well. So, here's my question. What, um, what songs, for what times, do we need to hear and sing today? And what, whether you can sing well or you can't even carry a tune, just figuratively, what do you need ex to express? And, and do you know that whatever is getting expressed, God's there? And I wonder if you could really hear and take to heart this. I love this prophecy from Zephaniah. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but he will rejoice over you with singing. Would you dare to believe he's doing that right now over every single one of you? He rejoices over you with singing. I said I wasn't going to do this. What, do you know this song? We'll get to a true good song with Matt in a second here. But could you sing it with me? This is my story.
Lord, our story, our story is that you made us. And though we've fallen so short of your glory, you still love us. You went to a hellish cross to rescue us. You were raised from the dead to share that life with any who will receive. You pour out your Holy Spirit upon all who will welcome you into their lives. You're with us. You're for us. You go before us. Uh, this is our story. That This is what's underneath all of our times, whether good, bad, hard, boring, exciting. Our story is you with us. Teach us, Lord, to know that and in various ways to sing it, to live it out. These things we pray in your name. Amen. What's interesting, there's a lot of us who say, I can't sing. Rob can, for sure, but it's uh, just sort of interesting, like maybe individually yeah, our voices aren't great or whatever, but in a body like this, it's, it's interesting how his croaking is canceled out by her squealing, and it just all turns into a beautiful melody. So you, church, can sing. Amen. So.